politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to defend our liberty here at the Conservative Review Podcast. Daniel Horowitz back in the house at Blaze Media Friday. We love our Fridays almost the end of the month here. It's the end of the week, and it is also the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Okay, so if I don't turn you off with my views, I'll certainly turn you off with my singing. But, folks, it really is the end of the world as we know it. There is a great reset, as the left is talking about. There's no question about it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's more of a crossroads, a pivotal moment. The question is, what will the new world be? In other words, the way... The world has existed until now is over. It's ending. And we see that in every facet of culture, society, the economy, politics. I will tell you, and I say this with certitude, it's not even close. The people want to waste time gaming out an election year and four years from now. We will not have a normal election like we've always had. Meaning, one of two things will happen. Either we will have a real oligarch. We will be like North Korea with with a nuance, an American version of it. In other words, you'll have candidates, but they'll have to be approved by the government. You know, maybe you'll be able to have, I don't know, Kamala Harris versus Bloomberg or something. Or we will have something along the lines of a two-state solution. Our job is to push for the latter so we don't get the former. But the notion that we're going to be able to fix this current system, that's, that's gone. That is just a reality. And again, as I've been saying all month, that's not necessarily a bad thing because the system was irremediably broken. But in order to do that, we have to get on the playing field and get loud and get proud where we can make a difference in the parts of the country where we still have enough influence to change the trajectory of the culture, the economy, and certainly politics. Politics is neither upstream nor downstream from culture. As I've said all the time, I believe it works concurrently with it. It's a push-pull. You influence one with the other. And the problem is the other side is always on the field, okay? Wherever they are, in all 3,300 counties, they're in the media, they're in these groups. You could have a Trump plus 50 county, and you'll have 10 paid Soros people down there um, agitating. The question is, are we going to apply an equal and opposing force? It is incumbent upon all of us, starting with me, but every one of these listeners, every one of you that I'm so appreciative of, send these shows to your relatives and neighbors and friends, coworkers. Make this the underground. We're going to start organizing people into teams, legal teams, policy teams, 
by state, mainly focusing on the 31 states where Republicans control the legislature, then divided into counties, issue sets, and each person has an obligation, like Proverbs 31, 8, 9, to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute. Speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor. And the poor in this country aren't necessarily the way traditionally we looked at the poor as a financial state of being. The poor are those of us who are the forgotten men, forgotten mankind, that we don't have a voice, we're persecuted, we can't live in liberty, we can't breathe without a cloth, the people who can't open their businesses or the fake reopening of the businesses, the people who are held down by government while their life's earnings get sucked out by the oligarchs, big tech, big business. And that's really the lesson of what we're seeing, what we're seeing throughout this entire week with the GameStop fight and Robin Hood and big tech censoring the people trying to trade. Basically, the lesson we learned is very simple. They stop counting the votes when they're losing. We saw that election night. They stop allowing investors to buy shares when their people are losing. They have one rule of engagement. They win, we lose. It's that simple. This is what I've said all the time. They've confronted us with a situation where everything is a one-way street, a dead end, a rigged system, a two-tier justice system. The question is, are we going to abide by those rules or are we going to play by our rules at least where we have politicians in charge that are in a majority that we could pressure and influence? It's all in our hands, in parts of the country at least. That is a reality. I don't want to hear otherwise. It's the same thing we've talked about with the court system. How basically, when they're in charge, they could violate the Constitution, violate statute, do whatever they want to us, and we have no recourse through the courts. Then you're like, all right, well, okay, we'll move to a red state where we could try to have election integrity, try to block the federal stuff. And then even to the extent we can get Republicans to do that, then the federal courts parachute in and say, no, 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 the state can't do that. No, 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 no. You could block immigration enforcement, but you can't help enforce it. Okay? You could violate Americans' rights, but you can't deport illegal aliens. Or you can't go after ID theft and tax fraud because that violates their privacy rights. And we decide to go along with it. We need a movement of get off our lawn. If Biden's going to do what he wants in Washington, we're going to do what we want in Oklahoma, in Idaho. We're going to tell the courts to drop dead. 
That is the only way out of this. We can't continue to play their game. Where they only need to wiggle in one area, one lever of power, we could have 99 of them. We need 100, they only need one. And it's their policy outcome that prevails. It doesn't work that way. But in order to do that, we need to galvanize our people. Now, in many ways, they're very galvanized. The term that's being used now is red-pilled, which is good. But it's kind of uneven and, and, and weird, and we're going to talk about that. The first way to galvanize is to meet together. I'm honored to be meeting about 50 of you coming out for ConstitutionCoach.com's training through Patriot Academy at Front Sight Nevada. The best Constitution and defensive carry, defensive shooting training you'll get. The three-day and five-day classes for February 7th are already closed out, and that's going to be the one I'm going to be attending. Um, but look, you know that shouldn't stop you from signing up for the February 11th class, and um, there's also March 21st. March 25th, May 30th, and June 6th. I might be at the May one, but it's a little bit far off. But check out constitutioncoach.com. Again, the best defense training. You'll be in the company of the best patriots around that we could organize on a state level. We could talk about the Constitution, what we can do, strategize. You could also really enjoy a a, um, vacation, the beautiful part of Nevada, and front side is awesome because it's a sanctuary from COVID fascism. So, you know, make sure you sign up at constitutioncoach.com. Look at some of the later dates if the February date doesn't work out for you, and we hope to see you there. Where am I coming from? I'm very frustrated. Because on the one hand, I'm watching as, you know, There's this guy, I think a state senator from Wyoming, Bouchard, who is challenging Liz Cheney, and right away there's a pullout that has Liz Cheney down 33 points. Now, typically it's the challenger who's down 33 points in a primary, and that is awesome. And I'm like, Eureka, I've been waiting for this for 12 years. I've been fighting in primaries, and I never understood. We know that in a Republican primary, at least 70% agree with us. Why don't we win every time easily? But it's always an issue of name ID, money, people just reflexively, they complain, but then they vote for the incumbent. It's always frustrating. And this is great. But then you look across the map, it doesn't reverberate in all the other elections and in the issues, the issues. It's like these weird anomalies. Ohio Senate race is opened and... It looks like it's the same establishment punks are going to line up and they'll get it. So we'll replace Portman with another corporate whore. So far, I don't see anyone challenging any of the lockdown governors, although my Blaze colleague, Chad Pather, or Prather, I'm sorry. Sorry about that, Chad. He has a show here at Blaze TV. I don't know how if he's half choking or not, but he says he is going to challenge Greg Abbott in Texas. 
That's what we need. But it's weird. I don't get the impression that at least at this point, if we had primaries, you'd have a whole bunch of these guys thrown out. We're falling down on this. And here's what I mean. Here's what I'm driving at. So I spoke too soon yesterday. When I wrote an article saying, look, look at this great news in Wisconsin. State Senate overwhelmingly passed a bill to nullify the emergency order passed by the Democrat governor. Not passed, just enacted illegally, which includes the mask mandate. And it was on its way to the House where Republicans have, I believe, close to a two-to-one majority. And it was supposed to be sealed yesterday. And then last minute, they pull it back. And there's a very important lesson here, several lessons. This is from KARE11. Wisconsin Assembly cancels mask mandate vote after news it would jeopardize low-income food assistance. Wisconsin's Republican-controlled assembly on Thursday abruptly canceled a vote to repeal Democrat Governor Tony Evers' mask mandate in the face of broad criticism from the state's health, school, and business leaders, and out of concern it would jeopardize more than $49 million in federal aid. Now, they claim they're still going to vote on it sometime, find a way around it. But basically, here's the deal. There's two things going on, and I'm not sure which one's the real thing and which one's the facade, or if they're both real. I don't know enough about the Wisconsin legislature, and if any of you are from there and have any guidance, let's form a strike team there. But this is the the exact moment that we need a focused movement on the ground, providing information and pressure to the legislators, promising to primary those that cross us, because the pressure is only going to be in one direction. So you have all the Karens. And when I say the Karens, I don't just mean the 45-year-old women you know, yelling at them. I mean it's all the industries and all the, the whores, the, the masters of the universe, the same people on Wall Street, you know, the hospitals, whatever. Big science, big medicine, big law, whatever it is. But then now it appears that the Biden administration is planning on yanking food assistance grants to the states. Now, I have to find out exactly, specifically, what they are, what the levers are. Are these standard programs? Are these programs that were only created through the stupid March bill, the COVID bill? But this is going to be a big problem. You know, we talk about leveraging against the feds. Well, the feds will leverage. By the way, everything I always said that the Trump administration should do and never really did in the budget bills when they had control of all branches, the Democrats will actually do that. They'll threaten to cut off funds. Now, a couple things here. Number one, this is where we need the pressure group on our side. Do we really have that? No. We need the focus. I don't care about the Washington soap opera. Oh, you know, like, if you listen to these loser podcasts or radio shows, and you should turn them off if they're telling you this, oh, Republican, all we need to do is get a good guy for 2024 and win back the House in 2022. As if what's going on now doesn't matter, as if we have time, as if even then that's going to matter. And what they don't focus on is in 31 states. I mean, 
Wisconsin's a 50-50 state. Forget about the 20 or so states that have much stronger Republican majority voters. But even in a 50-50 state, because of the way the state is laid out, that Democrats are clustered just in urban areas. So in terms of state legislative districts, Republicans have nearly a two-to-one majority, a little like 1.8-to-1 ratios in both houses. Tremendous, tremendous majorities. Okay? Imagine having like 64-36 in the U.S. Senate, okay? Imagine having that. There's so much that could be done and set up for a good gubernatorial race to kick out the governor. That's where we need to be focused. This is where it's all at. I'm all for primarying Liz Cheney. I'm very happy about it. But that's one out of 435 House members in a broken federal system. If we have a guy like that, if we, I mean, you know, it shouldn't be mutually exclusive, but if we only have one, I'd rather run him against Mark Gordon there, the governor in Wyoming, who's a fool. So we need an electoral pressure group, an issue advocacy group, and you don't need any money. It's just volunteer. You get 15 patriots together who are smart. You put out pamphlets and information, emails. Most people don't follow state legislative affairs, even when you have like big issues like what's going on in Wisconsin. It's such a closed business. You could have an outshare. I mean, you get you get one blogger on state legislative affairs, you'd be shocked at how much influence you could have. You'd be shocked. Just this show alone. We could build that infrastructure. I'm also working with, some of you might have heard, Russ Vogt, Trump's OMB director. Um, He started a great grassroots movement through Heritage Action called Sentinels, where he would have like these people in states that would kind of do what we're talking about. Now, Ultimately, it was controlled by the Heritage Foundation, so there was a limit to what he could do because that organization was broken. But now he's starting his own. I think it's called Center for American Restoration or something. So I'm going to try to work with him and see how we could get people involved. And and you pick some of these states, but right now this is a live fire drill. This is where we need it. We're this close to repealing the entire COVID fascism in the state of Wisconsin, but Republicans are wavering. This is where we need people on the ground. You take the top 10 so-called conservative radio shows slash podcasts in this nation, okay? And you do what I'm doing, that die would be cast. That would be over with. But even with a smaller group, We could do it with a ground game. Now, I want to get back to what that ground game looks like. But just first to follow up on this federal stuff. They need to understand anything you want to do to be a free state. You are going to have this threat of cutting off funding. And the messaging 
that they need to tell their people is very simple. Look. The only reason why people are impoverished is because of the phony emergency order shutting down society. Look at South Dakota, Nebraska, and Florida and compare them to states like Wisconsin and Michigan. The unemployment rate is like half or a third of what it is there. People want a paycheck, not a welfare check, and we're going to give you a paycheck. Getting rid of the emergency order is a paycheck. You, you can't sit and play their games. Oh, we got to find a way. We got to work with it. No. Separate from them. Speak with moral clarity. We have all the data on the mass, how it doesn't work, how it's harmful. Pressure your legislature with that. Elect better ones. And that's it. One more thing I just want to make from a legal standpoint. And this is another case of a rigged system, double standard, of course. The courts are both, you know, both ways they rule for the left. But there's something called an anti-commandeering doctrine through the 10th Amendment in the court system. That basically means that the federal government can't commandeer a state. So they can't just rule over a state, break their sovereignty. Or what the courts have said is that if you... um like put a gun to their head and and, I, and and I'm forgetting the case but a court has used this before there's a there's a there's a case that uses the analogy of putting a gun to your head where you basically say like okay I want you to do this or you know we're going to cut off all this funding it's anti-commandeering now a number of courts use this against Trump wrongfully when it was wrongfully applied, so certainly, according to those courts, it should be applied today. Meaning, if you remember, remember with the Sanctuary City fight. So, Jeff Sessions, when he was Attorney General, he started this, and the court said he can't do it. It's anti-commandeering, where they would cut off law enforcement grant programs for states that criminalized federal immigration enforcement. Now, mind you, I said at the time they were wrong because a couple things— Anti-commandeering is when the government uses funding to leverage, they use a power they have over funding to leverage states to do something that's a power they don't have, okay? So, for example, where they said it before was South Dakota v. Dole, when Bob Dole's wife was uh, Reagan's transportation secretary in the 80s, and they tried to get the states to raise the drinking age to 21. You know, that's an internal affair. State, uh, federal government doesn't have control over it. So they tried to leverage it with transportation funding to say um, that, you know, you don't, you don't get this if you don't raise the drinking limit, the drinking age limit. Now, the court actually ruled in favor of the federal government and said they could do it because they said it, it was it was a very small potatoes thing. It wasn't coercive. It was a small amount of money. But if it's so big that it's coercive, you can't do it. So my point was, immigration is something that they do have a power over, and it was the states that were interfering with it. So they're like... Look, I'm not going to give you law enforcement grants if you're interfering with federal law enforcement. Okay? Very simple. 
And furthermore, there was another rationale because grant programs were supposed to be limited to American citizens. And part of this point is some of these laws were created in 1996. The welfare bill, some of the grants were designed, you know, that, that you know, um, non-citizens shouldn't get them in order that states shouldn't attract illegal aliens and then disproportionately get more grant funding based on having illegal aliens, which was unfair to Americans. So that was a very strong case for the feds. And still the courts were like, no, the states are right. Not because they believe in the 10th Amendment, but because they believe in illegal aliens and they'll rule with them whatever the jurisprudence is behind it. But here... They're trying to leverage a power that Biden himself admits he doesn't have outside of federal land to have a mask mandate. Now, nobody really has the power because it violates individual liberty in its most blatant sense. It violates the 14th Amendment, privileges and immunities, Fifth Amendment, Fourth Amendment. That is the ultimate unreasonable search and seizure of a human being. So... That is something that they don't have. So you can't use funding, especially when it's prohibitive, to leverage a power that they do not have and they admitted they don't have. But here's how I'm going to get you to do it. But of course, don't expect the courts. I mean, I I would pursue a lawsuit. You shouldn't shirk away from it. Use every lever you have. But at the end of the day, they have to go through with it. But this is what I'm looking at. I'm trying to figure out why some places our people are alive and some places they're dead. And it and it seems like it has to do with Trump. If if it, if it's like oh Liz Cheney you know voted against Trump impeachment that kind of got people's attention. And I understand it. I agree with it. But 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 masking your children in school and shutting down your businesses in a red area where you have majority Republican county and state officials. How does that not get your attention to pressure the hell out of them or primary them? That's that that this is something I can't figure out. Like sometimes our people are active and sometimes they're not. Is it the coolness factor? I don't know. This is really where Trump could be helpful. We need to we need to create the fuses. We need to create the ground game for what we're talking about. But Trump, he could come in to state, weigh in on an issue, weigh in on a primary recruit, endorse, hold rallies for them. He could do this and light that, light the fuses. Let me tell you why I'm so confused. Wyoming, something like statewide, Trump plus 34, I want to say. You could look it up. I don't have it in front of me. But um, here's an email, a heartbreaking, one of these heartbreaking emails I got from a woman in Boone County, West Virginia. And... Just for context, Boone County was carried by Trump by a net 53 points. Okay? 
It's roughly in the Charleston area. It's outside of Charleston. Net 53 points. Okay, so we're talking about the Trump equivalent of San Francisco. Here's the email. I direct you to one of the handful of nonprofits and one of the few small businesses in my county. I'm sorry, no, I direct one of a handful of nonprofits and one of the few small businesses in my county. Small county, not a lot of businesses in it. What businesses remain must now be mask police or be publicly criticized and eventually charged with a misdemeanor by edict of the health department. Why are unelected officials able to create laws? We have few businesses in my county. Now people are going to report local businesses who do not enforce COVID fascism. The health department is releasing the names of local businesses who do not comply with this tyranny. Most small businesses are hurting. They do not need more regulations or to be asked to function as mask police. My husband and I reached out to the governor's office who advised that our governor's emergency order granted authority to health departments to put rules in place and mechanisms to report which businesses aren't complying. However, they were not aware of this new criminalization of mask noncompliance. I've reached out to our Republican Attorney General Attorney General to intervene. However, I'm not hopeful. And basically, she sent me um, an article about Boone County begins three-strike system for mask mandate enforcement. Now, you tell me how in a Trump plus 53 county within a Trump plus 35 state with a Republican governor, a Republican Attorney General... Um, and Republican legislature, how that happens. You tell me. And it's our fault. I understand some of you might say, look me in the eye and say, well, Daniel, you know, every time I say something's a red state, someone will email me, well, it's not really, it's more complicated than that and whatever. But again, look at the percentage of people who voted for Trump. Okay, Republicans have a 23 to 1 to 11 23 to 11 majority in the Senate and a 76 to 23 majority in the House you tell me what is going on there oh the republicans are pukes okay then how are they not how is this not their last term in office I'm telling you, if Trump were to go into a state like that and fight the mask mandate, it would be gone. Trump could light that fuse. This is where he needs to be directed. This is where he needs to be directed. And by the way, one of the reasons why West Virginia is such an important state to get involved in is because that is the state with Joe Manchin. So if you have the state where we wind up turning the state politics in a way that is so divorced from Manchin, Manchin will be out on a limb where he'll have to convert or die. And that will reverberate across national politics as well on many, many issues. Part of why Manchin is able to get away with his double game of this phony moderate is because the Republicans there suck. And so there's not much of a difference. So he doesn't stick out. This is the nut we need to crack. We only have one country. We have nowhere else to move. So with half of it being gone, you got to start with the better half. 
But this is what's hard to look at. How is it that Liz Cheney in Wyoming is down 33, but not only is the mask mandate not down in West Virginia, you have criminalization of businesses going on. Like, this is the stuff you would expect to see in Berkeley. You have it in Boone County, West Virginia. And the reason is because we have a movement with colleagues of mine that have 501c3s, 501c4s, talk shows, columnists, cable news people that are not nothing but drifters and grifters. They grift and drift. They drift along with what's going on like an aimless rudder. There is so much we are leaving on the table. The mask mandate should be gone in three seconds there. You could tell me, West Virginia, because of the economy, people are dependent on things, fiscal issues are a little bit tough. But don't give me a... Don't don't tell me that the majority of people there are metrosexual and want the mask stuff. Just don't tell me that. Don't tell me that if Trump would come in and have an anti-mask campaign, it wouldn't resonate. Yes, it would. But the reason why I say Trump is because somehow you need to light a fuse. I just don't understand that. This is the only way we're going to fight back against the rigged system. We got to get on the field. So we need we need a shadow government in every red county and red state. You have a division of labor between different people. If you could do law, fight the legal angle. If you're science and medicine, fight it from that angle. Those that are schooled in legislative affairs, get on top of them and then shadow box each person. Have someone who's the shadow county commissioner. You deal with them. You deal with the prosecutor. You deal with the sheriff. You deal with, um, you know, again, the state affairs. And if you could run, you must run. And recruit people to run. Local office. That's the way to do it. If you do that, even if you have this dirtbag governor. Okay, remember, Republicans have a two-to-one majority in the Senate, a three-and-a-half-to-one majority in the House. And you only need 51% to override the veto of the governor in West Virginia. So you could literally own him, even losing a number of rhinos. I don't understand how we don't have that, but that is a wide open lane we need to work on. Wide open lane. Then people like me who live in Maryland, there's a lot of people like that. West, Western Maryland is basically West Virginia. Same demographic, conservative, but they're governed by the toilet in, in, in a, Annapolis here. If you made that a beacon of freedom, people would just move out. People like myself would move. But right now, I'll be honest with you, there was one rating system that rated the restrictions from COVID in all 50 states. Maryland was, I, I believe, I might be one off here, but Maryland was 27. Meaning one is the freest, 50 is the most tyrannical. You know, at the top you had, um, you know, like South Dakota, Nebraska, and 
Florida, Oklahoma. Maryland was 27. West Virginia was 28. Okay? It was one behind Maryland. There's something wrong there. There is something wrong with what we're doing. It's also local media, too. One of the things that shocked me when I got into primaries. So, you know, I focused on national politics for a while, and we knew the media was all liberal. And I would go into, like, Idaho and Mississippi, and it was like, you, you, could, you could have a Trump plus, you know, a R plus 50 area. You could have an area that was 80-20 Republican voting, and the media would be all the 20. 100% of the media were left. It was unbelievable. We need to start circul- cir- you know, newspapers or online publications, circulars. Maybe it's weekly. Pick three issues in the legislature and just own it. Put out both the legislative updates, but also, you know, the, the, the facts behind it. Like with the masking now, the double masking. There's so much easy stuff to ridicule that. Number one, it's a self-indictment that the first thing didn't work. So we were lied to. The greatest obsession for 10 months that destroyed our liberty by their own admission is a lie now. They say you need two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But the joke is, they weren't designed for that. So the more you pile up, even if you would have some sort of convoluted notion that it would filtrate through the front, but it will force the molecules to come out the, the sides. Because remember, to begin with, you don't really have a seal on a, on a typical um, surgical mask or cloth mask. You know, without an N95, you don't, ha- you, don't, you don't have that. It's a total joke. So certainly, the more you pack on, the more you're going to have a situation where it's coming out the side. So the side gapping and the ill-fitting non-airborne mitigation apparatus is doing nothing for you. All your the only thing you're doubling is your deoxygenation and your risk of uh, hypoxia. But it will come out the sides. The more you block it the more you aerosol the virus. That's the thing. Ironically, the whole thing was the droplets, but the droplets, everyone agrees, don't travel more than six feet, and usually not more than three. And droplets, like, you don't you don't sneeze in someone's mouth, okay? No one's doing that, certainly not now. Droplets don't, because they're so big, gravity forces them down. It's the aerosols that are the problem. This is why they haven't worked and it spreads anywhere you have people indoors. Even when they're wearing masks religiously, the mask, and this is why every study has shown the masks have made it worse. It aerosolizes it. You want, Droplets are good. You could see where they're coming. They drop close to you and they drop. 
and that's it. The only time you might get get in your mouth is like when you have a when you're holding an infant and it sneezes in your face. But normally people don't do that. Does it ever happen that someone will sneeze and get the droplet in your mouth? I mean, it's possible and I'm sure it happens. It's like hitting a full court basketball shot, but that's not responsible for such wild spread. It's the aerosols. So the more you block it, the more you're aerosolizing. You're turning the droplets into aerosols and they go 16, 20 feet. You'll never stop that. You'll never stop it, but the masks likely make it worse. There's so much information on this. The harms, it's all there. Form your teams. So when you sign up at Miniman Speakeasy, our Facebook page that will probably go to MeWe or one of the other ones soon, give us your email and give us your state. We can start forming state groups. And again, certainly if you're a lawyer, you could be part of our legal group. Sorry, it's going to have to be pro bono, but if you are a young lawyer, we'll have some more experienced ones you could work with and you could you know, get experience at least. It's going to have to be volunteer at this point. We're not looking to make money and we don't have it anyway. But it's so easy to do. This is something that is in the power of all of us. Now, I went a little bit long here, but I think it was important. But I do want to close up the week with a rundown of some other news you may or may not have seen. Obviously, the big news out that the American Academy uh, or American Journal of Medicine came out with a study right after Trump left that hydroxychloroquine indeed lowers mortality rates like Tons and tons of other studies. Um, there's easily been over 100 p- p- peer-reviewed studies on this. And, of course, so many people get the virus. You're going to get it. Everyone's going to get it or be exposed to it in some form. The mask doesn't work. But the one thing that God gives us, this ivermectin, obviously a mixture of you know people should have been boosting themselves with vitamin C, vitamin D, um, zinc, among other things, the last eight, nine, ten months. So many people would be in a different place. It's not going to work for everyone, especially those that, you know, for the most part, those who die, it's kind of their time. And God does what he does, but God also gives us a lot of mercy. And the one thing he gave us to actually help, that's the one thing that these evil, evil bastards not only don't pursue, Cheap as anything. Trillions of dollars we spent cutting our head off when we could actually have a panacea. But they actually block it and make it unavailable and very hard to get. There is no hell big enough to house all these people. Instead, what are we doing? Shutting down businesses. My heart aches for people like Kimberly Wagand. She's in Brentwood, um, Pennsylvania. She owns Cracked an Egg. Cracked an Cracked Egg. It's a kind of a breakfast uh, restaurant. She testified that she believes she would lose her business if she followed state requirements to operate.
We're just a mom and pop diner living the American dream. We have our freedoms and liberties. Ten months in, Judge. When is it going to stop? The Allegheny. September for continuing to operate despite a closure order. And um, she said she will need a movement for people like her. How does this happen with, with such muted opposition? With lying and censoring all the right information about what works and doesn't work, what the virus does and doesn't do. And then the minute Trump leaves office, one by one, those premises now come out and you're able to say them, but the tyranny still continues. How does that happen? How do we continue to mask our children? When the, the latest weekly data came out, the flu is down 99.5%. That means that kids don't have the flu this year, and the flu that we do have this year, which is COVID, is not a threat to them, less than a flu, and yet they have the greatest year ever in terms of respiratory viruses, safest year ever, and they're being abused. How does that happen? How does that happen? By the way, you know an interesting Every single human being is wearing PPE, like, religiously, and they're locked down beyond belief. Do you know that the nursing home COVID deaths remain stubbornly high? You're like, okay, you were caught by surprise, so it came in, and it obviously attacks that place. I mean, we've gotten control of it, right? I mean, they're all locked down to the point where they're dying of all this stuff. They're dying of loneliness, atrophy, dementia. Now, the answer is, yeah, a lot of it's bogus. A lot of it is natural death or lockdown death. But some of it is, they are getting COVID. How do they get COVID? I mean, you'll be shot, literally, if you don't wear a mask there. They don't work one iota. One iota. I'm proud of Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. Maria Bartiromo was you know, talking about how you know, these lockdowns aren't worth the cost. And he stopped her and said, it's not that they're not worth the cost. There is no worth. They don't help at all. It's not a matter of like, okay, it saves some lives, but then costs more. It saves zero lives. It stops zero spread. It's all pain and no gain. We have 10 months of this, and we can't get Republicans to expeditiously and categorically in all 31 states they control to block this. I don't get it, but that's got to change. It's got to change. It's a lot more I didn't get a chance to, to go through, but I do want to end off, end off the week just going through 
some of what's going on. Obviously, looks like they shut down GameStop. Of course, heads they win, tails we lose. And in truth, <clears throat> I'm glad people realize this with the market, but this is what, ha- what has been going on all year with lockdowns. How they shut down businesses like Cracked Egg. Life. And then make everyone live in a way that coincides um, they go and crush small businesses. That just happened to benefit Zoom and Amazon and Apple and whatever. Amazon's And it's not just the fascism, so it's also the stupid bills that Trump pushed and the policy. See, this is what the Federal Reserve does. They made trillions of dollars of economies of scale that could take advantage of that. That's not a free market. Just make it even. But government literally does that. And this is what lockdowns are, which is why I say we need a five-year moratorium. Five-year tax moratorium. Regulatory moratorium, sarbanes Or the whole of the people, but when they do this, you have to you, you have to it's all arbitrary power. We're no longer Federalist 62. He said the internal effects of a mutable policy. calamitous. It poisons the blessings of liberty itself. It will be of little avail to the people that the law so incoherent that they cannot be understood if they be repealed or revised before they are promulgated today can guess what it will be tomorrow. Law is defined to be a rule fixed obviously rights he warned about the need to be a government of law it's government is instituted for the common good for the protection safety prosperity and class of men and that's that's what they've done see what what the common is everything's to benefit them okay but then they they talk about the little guy they they talk about it more than we do right they're always but what they do is they they create classes that are beneficial to them illegal aliens blacks this and that 
Only in a way, they don't care about blacks. They don't even care about illegal aliens. If the people coming over the border for whatever reason would start voting conservative, I mean, they would they would have that border um, full of weapons of war. It would be landmine. They wouldn't have a wall. They would just mine it and have alligators in the moat. Are you kidding me? It's a game of they win no matter what. Whatever benefits them. Which is why we only have immigration from areas of the world that will vote for the Democrats. That is ultimately what has happened. They have violated the Constitution. We don't have a written law or a written statute anymore. It's the arbitrary whims of whatever the corporate media says is moral at a given moment. And it's always for specific people or groups, not the whole of the people. Well, the lesson is the next clause in the Massachusetts Bill of Rights. Therefore, the people alone have an incontestable, unalienable, and indefensible right to institute government and to reform, alter, or totally change the same when their protection, safety, prosperity, and happiness require it. Here's the deal. When you arbitrarily pick winners and losers and use the boot of government, culture, and economy to confront the losers with a checkmate, one-way street, and a dead end at every turn, at some point, the losers will revolt because they have no choice. There is a blueprint to revolting. You use the power you already have and leverage it and grow it more in those states and those counties. That's our only choice at this point. We can't fulfill what the founders meant because the asymmetry between the weapons that government has and we have is so absurd, you, you, you'll never be successful. So we got to play the left's game and play it back on them and play it better. And again, you start in the most advantageous areas. So we're going to start gathering information. We're going to start working in groups. Again, it's fine to listen to a podcast for entertainment, for certainly information. But we're going to go a step further and we're going to help organize. We got to fight back. We got to take our country back or at least parts of our country back. We need our sanctuary for liberty, for our God-given rights. They can never take that away from us. Not inherently, but they could physically do that, and we got to stop that. So I thank you all for another terrific week. Again, send this show to 50 of your friends, relatives. Email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Sign up at Minimum Speak Easy. Send us your email. Um, if it's a secure email, all the better. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Till then, have a safe a sane weekend and God bless y'all.